Welcome to the newest edition of the Screenfellas Podcast. My name is Carlos. And I'm Ozzy. In this episode, we will review Kevin Hart's new stand-up special, What Now? And recap this week's episodes of Westworld and Star Wars Rebels. Enjoy the show. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. How are you doing? I am. I'm doing good, Carlos. How are you doing? I'm all right. Um, we had a little bit of an adventure getting this episode started, but now we're good. We're here, ready to record. And um, but we also let's not be remiss and let's recognize our guest. The first, he was the first two-time guest, I believe, on the podcast. And now he's the first three-time guest. We have Bobby Whitehouse with us again, our head of marketing. How are you doing, Bob? Uh, I'm good. It's good to be back. It feels like home. <laughs> feels like home. Um, Bob, you're starting... Would you consider this like your redemption tour after um, the fiasco that is what's happening in the comments section of our YouTube channel? No. I don't feel like I need to redeem myself for anything because I'm a human being who has his own emotions and I was supposed to react as I did. It was a reaction video. That's how I reacted. I don't care what a bunch of strangers on the internet say about me. That's fine. I've been called worse by people I know. So that's fine. I don't see a need for any redemption. Oh, um, yeah. It, if you have not seen our latest YouTube video, it is a reaction to the Star Wars Rebels, or no, the, sorry, the Rogue, Rogue One trailer, the new Rogue One trailer, and... Um, Bob is getting some hate on there, so maybe you should go check that out and defend Bob in the comments sections valiantly. Um, Ozzy, what did you think of that video? <laughs> um, Bob's face did not change whatsoever. It's like he wasn't even excited, you know what I mean? He was just like, okay, it's cool. <laughs> like he, didn't, he just wasn't excited. I mean... I'm not. I don't hate on him. I mean, it, it's just. I don't know. I mean, maybe it wasn't exciting for him. There's just some. Sometimes there come out. There's trailers out there that don't excite everybody, and I guess he's one of them. Uh, yeah. Um. Speaking of our YouTube channel, we have to remind you that the um next video is probably going to be the Rebels recap, which will be on the end of this episode. But then also be aware we are we have been hearing a lot of whispers that Guardians of the Galaxy trailer will be releasing in the next week or so. So. We'll probably have a reaction for that as well, so keep your eye open for that, and hopefully that trailer get, comes out, because I'm very excited for that. <laughs> um, Alright, let's get into this Kevin Hart special. So we are talking about Kevin Hart, What Now? It is his comedy special, which he recorded when... He recorded in Lincoln Financial Field, correct? In Philly. Um, and now it's in theaters, and it's made a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So it's doing pretty well, and that's really interesting to see, because it's a comedy special, but they did market it kind of as a movie, kind of. Like, I remember when the trailer first came up, um, Ozzy and I were in the theater, and we were just like, is that a movie, or what is that? Like, and I think they kind of maintained that marketing the entire way through, so that probably added to the box office a little bit, but... We are going to talk about this. Do you want to talk about it as if it is a movie? Like, are we going to rate it? How do you guys want to approach this since it is a comedy special? 
Um, I guess we can approach it as like a comedy and sort of as like a movie because it the the I'm gonna I don't know how to not talk about this without spoilers in a sense because yeah. it's like the beginning is sort of like a a movie comedy special ends in a movie so it's it's kind of confusing so I yeah. guess we could sort of do both um, but I'm mainly gonna judge it off of like just a regular comedy special yeah I think that's how we have to do it as well because there's not much of a movie aspect to it really at all so. We're just going to talk about it as a comedy special in and of itself. So, Bob, let's start with you. What did you think of Kevin Hart's What Now? I thought it was very good. I would probably say it was his best special, but not based on the material or anything like that. The way he used all the screens around the stage to help tell the stories and That's everything true. like that, I thought that was a really good artistic choice. Which um, I remember watching an episode of Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee starring Jerry Seinfeld. And he told Kevin Hart, he's like, I see you use screens and everything. Use them to tell the story. And I thought it was really cool that Kevin Hart, you know, he listened to a guy who's been at it so long. Had the funniest TV show of all time. And he's going and taking his advice. I thought that was really cool. I thought... A lot of what he was saying was very creative. And whether or not it really was true, I don't know. <laughs> but the way he told the stories was definitely refreshing and everything. And you could tell that he genuinely felt like he was just talking to the audience. And it wasn't like he was performing. And so I thought that made it very easy to watch. Yeah, which is impressive considering how many people he was performing in front of. And at the same time, same time, one thing I thought really helped him with that kind of conversational type thing that you were just talking about is he kept bringing it back to things that people could relate to, to his kids, to his relationship, those kind of things. And that really helped as well. Um, Ozzy, what did you think? I only laughed three times in this comedy special. Wow. Three. And I <laughs> fell asleep towards the end. Um, it was, this was, I have the complete opposite opinion of Bob. I think this was one of his worst. The jokes did not land for me. They really did not land to land for me. Um, to me, his older stuff is, is more of his better things. Uh, like one of his, um, to me, his older material relates more because he gets more in detail with his kids, with his relationships. And all that, and just his experiences. Here, you know, he's talking about a raccoon shooting at him. That's not funny. That's that's just like okay. And then he kept bringing that joke back again. There was there was one and joke I guess, that I agree with you on it, the the raccoon thing. I thought didn't work at first, but he brought it back around around later and. I was like, so he had gotten me so in the mood that I was just like, it really worked the second time. There was one joke where I thought he kept bringing it back and it just did not work for me the first time all the way to the end was, um, the really joke with his, yes, with a, yes, yes, yes. That's that another one. I agree with that. That, <laughs> yeah. that. That's another one that did not land with me. It was actually annoying because they kept showing other people say it. They're just like, yeah. really? And I'm just like, it's not really funny. Yeah. Shut up. Um, I, I just did not find this one funny, um, which is disappointing because it's Kevin Hart. Mm -hmm. um, but I just did not find it funny at all. Like it, it was only three times I laughed, and it wasn't like I was dying laughing. I think it was seriously funny where I was crying laughing yeah. watching him. This time I just I was just l regularly laughing, and only three times, man. So it was it was not it was not that good for me. 
I'll agree with you that it wasn't his best, like, material-wise. Like, the jokes definitely weren't the best he's done. But I thought the way he used the stage and the movie part before that was really well done. So, like, overall, as a product, I thought it was the best made that he had done. Yeah, I can agree with you there. The, definitely the product and how he did use the screen um, and, and everything to tell to tell his story, um, to give us sort of a, a view of it, like a physical view that we can see. I thought that was interesting. Uh, I, I did like I did like his artistic style when it came to that. It's just to the comedy just did not hit well with me at all. And it was just to me, it just felt sort of unrelatable in, in a few ways. Because he did talk about his kids and he did talk about his, his 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 situation and stuff like that, which he's done before. But I don't know. The previous stuff really hit hit me because I was like, "Wow, it's okay, that's funny," you know. But I don't know, man. Is this one? This one just really didn't hit me. I don't know why. It just really didn't. Um, what do you guys? I'm gonna ask this question and we'll see where it goes. What do you think was the best bit or story that was in the entire thing? Ozzy, you have three to choose from, apparently, but Bob, I think you liked it a little more. So what did you think was the best story or bit? Um, I would probably say the funniest to me was the whole ping pong thing. (laughs) Just when he was talking about his friend who cut the jeans, but could have gone upstairs to change into shorts. (laughs) That was great. And he still went upstairs to get the scissors to cut the jeans into shorts. I thought that was funny because we have friends that would probably do that, and so that was relatable to me. Yeah, I, I did. I do agree. That was a great story, and it, even going all the way to like how he's like, I can't go home, and, and just be like, I, I was playing ping pong. <laughs> like it did. See no that that was that was my funniest part to me because that's oh, really? true. Like <laughs> because it's true. Like you can't like you can't literally like it's true. Like I was playing ping pong until like ten o'clock in the morning. Like you can't. Like you can't. Yeah. Um, so that's actually relatable, but, um, and that's something I found really funny. So that's your favorite as well? Yeah, that's my favorite. That is my favorite. It's just the irony of it all with the stuff like that. Um, my personal favorite, which I think uh, when you hear the beginning of this, you're probably going to say, of course it is. But when he was talking about how they sat down to watch The Conjuring and he didn't want to watch it, which <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that they were watching The Conjuring, trust me. But the fact, the, the way it ends with like him going and he runs out of the house and he's like, that's the moment I realized that I don't care about my family. Yes. And then he gets in the car and his dad is there. <laughs> it's like, that was a great, because he had spent all that time building up his dad as a person or a character, quote unquote. And, um, and I just thought that really kind of all, everything kind of went together really well there. And that was my favorite because I was like, oh my gosh, of course his dad is there too. And then his dad was like, I wasn't going to carry her all the way down the stairs. I really liked that. And then whenever he would talk about like his daughter hiding. Yeah. And like, because when I was younger, I would try and like hide and wait and scare my dad Mm -hmm. when he would come home from work. Like I'd be under his bed. For like an hour and a half, just waiting. So that was relatable to me. Okay, yeah, that's that's definitely fair. Um, all right, well, Ozzy and I have already said like one thing that kind of didn't work for us. But Bob, what is the one? What is something that didn't work for you? A big, a bigger thing, I guess. What's your biggest negative? I guess I have two big negatives. Okay, the one that you guys really touched on was the really. Yeah. 
that bothered me because I don't like catchphrase comedy mm-hmm. at all. And the other thing was in that movie bit that they did, mm-hmm. I didn't like Halle Berry in that. Which, don't get me wrong, love Halle Berry. Huge <laughs> fan. But I just didn't think she was funny. Like, okay. I thought Don Cheadle was good. I thought Ed Helms really was good. good. I just didn't find Halle Berry funny. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Ozzy, what are your big negatives? I thought that they, as much as they were, like, greatly filmed, I just thought they felt sort of out of place with the comedy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just mm-hmm. felt they felt completely out of place with the movie, with the special in general. Um, so it, it kind of took me out of it. You know what I'm saying? So, like, when like when it was ending, I got up and I was getting ready to leave. And then they went mm-hmm. back to it and I'm just like, okay, okay I, guess, I guess we're still here. So it kind of took me out of it. And it, it took me out of it a lot, actually, just the movie, just that. I mean, because I, I actually enjoyed those things better um, than the actual special, mm-hmm. ironically. Um, it's yeah, it's ironic. I actually enjoyed it. But, yeah, um, and I, uh, that's probably it, really, besides the comedy not hitting me. Um, just the comedy just being not funny, in my opinion. But that the, just the scenes just took, it, took, took me out of the movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. Um, I did like the kind of framing device that they used. I I thought the beginning part was better than how it ended. I didn't, like, the ending did, I do agree, it felt a little tacked on, because mm-hmm. they did, like, kind of roll the credits, and then they went back to it, and I was like, wait, what? It, it didn't really work, but I do like the build-up to it, how they had the timer, and I actually liked Halle Berry in it, so... Um, but that, that's interesting, that's interesting. Um, do you guys have any more thoughts on this thing? Um, not really, dude. I will say that some of his bits I had heard before. That's true. When, like, he was on late night talk shows or, like, when he hosted SNL, he did the story about the raccoon Mm -hmm. and his son going to take out the trash. So I had heard that before, but it was still funny because he made it a little different. Yeah. I, I don't know if I I had heard all of that, at least. I definitely heard the private school parts about it where he was like... Um, I gotta get my flops, you know. <laughs> Let me like, get my flops. Yeah. <laughs> so, or his son trying to flip his hair. Yeah, I, I actually, I don't think I heard that part, but I that was that, great. But I thought it was great. Yeah. Um, so the, the I, I do, I am leaning more towards your side. I do agree with you at parts, Ozzy. I do think it kind of, for me, it took me a while to get there, but once he got me there, he was able to keep me laughing pretty much. Um, so that's where I'm at. I'm kind of, I guess I'm in the middle a little bit. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, so that is our thoughts on the Kevin Hart, or Kevin Hart's new comedy special, What Now? So now we are going to move on to Westworld recap. All right. So Ozzy, what did you think of this week's episode of Westworld? It was very interesting, yet very confusing at the same time. <laughs> I had to like kind of rewind it a few times. I was like, "Wait, what? Fair. What? What?" Um, but it was a very interesting um, episode. Kind of, this one was kind of slow, though. Kind of slow. At uh, times, I, I do agree with you. Yes. Yeah, I think I think I think this is was, this one was sort of a, a build up episode, if, if, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe, yeah. I- and to an extent, I do think the first half especially, and this is something, I, I don't know, because there's be, there's starting to be a little bit of a kind of 
it's a polar response to this. Some people are really liking this show. Some people are, aren't liking it. So it's interesting. Um, I think you're going to have to have a little bit of patience with this show at times. But even in this episode, which, all right, first of all, let's get this out of the way. Um, spoiler warning, we're going to talk in depth about this episode here. And this is one that we're really going to talk in depth about because the second half, there's a lot to talk about. That being said, the first half, it was kind of slow. And I was kind of sitting there like, are we really, we've been given all these questions and we're not getting really a flow. Like I even thought at about the halfway point of the episode, I'm like, we're getting all these questions, but we're not getting a steady flow of answers at all. We're not getting any answers. We need to start getting some answers so we feel like it's worth it to keep watching. And for the first half, we weren't getting any answers, and we were just following, basically, Teddy's new um, storyline, his new backstory, which it was a little confusing as if to, this was basically what his new programming is, or if this was kind of what his, what happens um, just because this host got involved, or this guest got involved. Like, I'm not sure if, like, this is what he's going to be doing every day from now on. Or if that was just because this guest got involved. I, I don't know. Is he completely forgetting about Dolores? Or is he just focusing on this new backstory that he has? I, I don't know. Um, and we keep focusing on this. And I'm just like, the thing is, when you have an episode just focusing on Teddy, he's not someone who has this huge arc that Dolores has. So it's hard to necessarily root for him. Because he's, we know he's kind of just doing what he's being programmed to do. So it's hard to kind of... Haven't, there's no depth there, you know? Um, yeah, I feel like Dolores in my, my, I don't know if you pronounce her name, Mive, um, um, yeah. she's the, she's the yeah. owner of like Maeve, the, yeah. the, yeah, Maeve, that's her name. Mm-hmm. I think they have interesting arcs because they're starting to remember and yeah. they're, and you see Maeve basically still, she's confused about Teddy because she saw Teddy dead and she saw him. Um, being worked on. Yeah. So it's interesting with these characters, but those two in particular, because they're confused, like, you know, they're starting to question their reality and they're mm-hmm. starting to remember old, their old lives and, and stuff yeah. like that. Um, especially with Maeve and you see a little bit without her, with her today and you see Dolores questioning more. And it's interesting because you also see Bernard asking her complete, yeah. to just completely give him information. Improvisation. All right. So I think that was interesting. Let, let's so let's I get think, into that. Yeah. yeah. So we so have for Teddy, mi- for Teddy though, real quick. Yeah. For Teddy though, he's not really doing that. He's just legit, just this host doing his storyline, which I think, which is why exactly. it was sort of boring in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't necessarily bad, but it was just boring in a yeah. sense. And it was, and it's the thing with 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 this series is it's it's focused on the same day like it, it's a storyline repeating the same day over and over again just different events happening within the mm-hmm. same day so i think people should be it, it's very hard to stay into the show when something keeps when you see a lot of the same stuff same stuff happening it during the same day either the same way or in a different way yeah but it's interesting because we're still like in this episode we don't have really the same events taking place um it's it's something different like teddy gets new programming so we're it should be different and we we are still kind of sitting here like i just don't necessarily care as much as i should or as much as i feel like i should yeah i feel like if they pro if i feel like if the writers were were to write him yeah questioning his storyline i think that'd be a really 
a, a definitely a different uh, perspective on it. Uh-huh. But I do think that his storyline goes and does an interesting route, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and it's it towards the second act. I was sort of just like, whoa, like confused at, at it because at this point I didn't know if these were hosts or I didn't know if they were guests. Mm-hmm. Because when he shot all of them, they were still alive. Yeah, that's what, that was really confusing. So I didn't know. And again, this happened with Dolores, too, where he shot her, and then she was bleeding, and then she looked again, and then she wasn't bleeding. So I was mm. just confused. I think that's a little bit different. And let's get into Dolores here now. Um, mm. we You mentioned that Maeve and Dolores are kind of the two interesting of... They're the interesting ones out of the hosts, right? And mm-hmm. Maeve didn't have too much this episode. She had that one moment that you mentioned earlier where she remembered Teddy um, being fixed or whatever. But Dolores was a focal point of this episode. And we have clearly seen that she is, like, the focus of the show so far. And I am loving it because, number one, um, that actress, I can't remember her name. I think it's Evan something Wood. Um, it's... Evan Rachel Wood, yeah. Evan Rachel Wood. She is absolutely fantastic. She is so good. Um, but anyway, she has become the focus of the show, right? And the one thing with Dolores is she, she's learning so much and she's becoming, I, I think she, I really do think she's starting to become kind of sentient and self-aware. And the thing is, Bernard is allowing it to happen and that's really interesting especially when you consider the big exposition scene that we are going to get to trust me we're going to talk about um that scene between ford and bernard because there was a lot there um but bernard kind of like you said he lets her go full improvisation and i love again how they set these things up because the first time he he asks her a question and then he sends her into analysis mode and asks her why she responded like that and she gave some calculated response as to why she responded like that. But then the second time when she was in full improvisation, she said, "I don't know." It was just a natural response for her, and that is just—it's such a subtle thing, but it is so brilliant because it shows that she is just thinking and reacting based on—can I even say emotions? It's it's really cool, and I'm really loving how her kind of character, her mind is developing, and Bernard is interesting, and he's letting it happen almost against his better judgment. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. It it's definitely an interesting uh, sort of thing, and we actually do get a sort of a backstory with Bernard, yeah. and um, I, I think that's actually really interesting because I thought about it like in episode one. Where you where you see Ashley ask him, he's just like, "Do you have any kids?" And you and Bernard just says no, mm-hmm. and that just hit me. I'm just like, "Oh, so he lied." And 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 Ashley just kind of like basically gave him like an arrogant answer, and he's just like, "Well, you don't know kids were Bell, mm-hmm. but Bernard actually does because he lost. He actually had a son, and he lost him. We don't know yeah. how he died or anything, but it's mm-hmm. definitely just an interesting backstory with Bernard, and we see that he." I, I, I'm going to just assume that that he possibly does care for Dolores. Yeah, I think uh, a little bit. I think, yeah, I think he cares for Dolores, and I think that he's letting her go, send, letting her do this so that he can see if Ford is actually wrong. Because mm-hmm. Ford, Ford actually surprised me this episode. Ford kind of kind of went crazy in a sense because I think one of his one of the people that was there 
um, with him with, with one of the hosts. He just cut them. He's just like, they don't feel anything. They don't get cold or anything. They're not alive. So stop treating mm-hmm. them that way. And I'm just like, whoa, like the fact that he's treat like I've never seen him treat them like this before. So I thought it was very interesting to see Ford um, definitely in that position. Yeah. Um, I I want to get back to Dolores and how the show ends in a second, but let's kind of follow this rabbit trail and go and talk about that conversation that I've been kind of talking about this entire time. We get, and this was the turning point of the episode for me, because the first half of it, like I said, focused on Teddy, and I was like, where are we going? We're not getting any answers. And literally, I feel like right after I asked, we're not getting any answers, we get an entire scene with this conversation where he gives us so freaking many answers. Okay, so basically, we're going to try to explain it for anybody who kind of missed it or didn't fully understand what happened. Um... What ha- what had happened was um, the guy or the host who started shooting up that one um, the that one um, bar place right and started shooting up killing people really in a really gruesome fashion right and they were like this should not be happening it was scaring guests and everything like that they were looking at the security footage from that and he was talking to somebody. And he was talking to somebody just in his head or talking to somebody imaginally, and he called him Arnold. And they also found out that he was killing people from that had killed him in his in old storylines, which again goes back to the fact that, like you were saying, Maeve is remembering things from her old storyline, as is this as are other hosts in the park, right? But what what um Ford explains to us is Arnold was his partner. And Arnold believed that he could get the host to be sentient by giving them an internal dialogue, giving them um, somebody in their head saying certain things. And that ultimately, eventually, they would start to say those things for themselves in their head and then say them out loud. Like, giving them an internal dialogue would make them sentient. And what we're starting to see is, and he does say something, which this is the whole big question of the show, right? The entire question of the show is, is, um, is what's happening some sort of mistake or accident, or is somebody sabotaging what's going on? Sabotaging the park. Now, I kind of lean towards somebody sabotaging it, but there's one line of dialogue, or one line in this conversation that leads me to think maybe it's just an accident. Because what they said, or what Ford said is that they used, um, the only line of code that they still use from Arnold's, um, line of thinking with them having an internal dialogue is the commands they use to control the hosts. So there is still some code, uh, from Arnold's line of thinking in all of the hosts. So maybe, maybe this is just some natural evolution type thing of just these these hosts are starting to have this internal dialogue that they should not be having and they're recalling things that they should not be recalling i i don't know it's just really interesting what did you think about finding all this out about arnold about the history of the park we still don't know what happened to arnold we just say he died we're told he died in the park we're not told how so maybe he's still around. Do you think? What What are your thoughts about that entire conversation that gave us tons of exposition? I think that conversation was very interesting to sort of see that be a possibility as to why everything's kind of going haywire right now mm-hmm. with everything in the park. Um, 
Um, I think it also has to do with some of the updates that they're also letting out because Agreed. they're trying to make these things, these these hosts more human. So it's Arnold's wanting to make them more sentient by giving them a, a, like eternal, eternal whatever. Dialogue. What you say again? Eternal dialogue, and then the updates because people want it to be more realistic. Yeah. So I think these two things hand in hand are making them be more sentient. So it's very interesting, and I'm very interested to see where this could go. Yeah. Um, I, I love that conversation. It just gave us so much backstory that we I wasn't expecting to get, and I'm just really fascinated with this Arnold character that we haven't even met. Um, I want to know more about, number one, how he died, or if he really died. And now I'm starting to, at first you kind of like, um, Ford. And even in last episode, like, he was doing things where like, okay, like, he's a pretty smart dude. But this episode really got me kind of, I don't know. I, I'm not so sure how to feel about Ford anymore. Yeah, I don't you're know kind if of I questioning him, him because he's, I feel like, <clears throat> I feel that, um, Arnold was sort of the one who cares about what he's creating. Mm-hmm. He's, caring about them he doesn't want people to take advantage of i feel like he was quite like the good guy he didn't want these people taking advantage of 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 what he was making and he didn't want them to be abused or whatever Mm -hmm. ford in the sense doesn't care he just wants to get the story he wants these things to work properly he likes he likes he likes the process how they're made but he he makes them for the entertainment of other people Mm -hmm. um as for Arnold, he actually wants to make them sentient. He wants to make something like a reality. Yeah. Um, so I think it's very interesting. And I think that Ford was really coming off weird, like you said, because, him, you know, Bernard looks at him as a, men- as a mentor. So the fact that he sort of brought up his son that way, he's just like, don't confuse this for your son. Or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I thought that was very uncalled for. I'm just like, yeah. wow. It, that's like a huge douche move for you for you to say that right now. It was really um, strange, yeah. Yeah, and Bernard was just looking at him weird, just like, why is that even like necessary? So I think it's very interesting. And I do like to see that Bernard is sort of rebelling against Ford when yeah. he's just like, don't stop. As long as you stay within your loop, you're fine. Just don't stop your improvisation. Yep. Because he wants to see how far things can go with Lord. And so I think it's it's very interesting that he's going against Ford's uh, wishes. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to kind of the end of the episode. And also I want to touch back on something Dolores does with Teddy. Um, let's start there, actually. What earlier in the episode, when we're still in when we're still dealing with Teddy's storyline, there was one interesting aspect of it. Because Dolores says something to him. Um, she's says, I want to run away with you. And that doesn't seem like too odd of a thing to say based on their programming, right? These are two characters who are supposed to be in love or whatever. So that makes sense. And then Teddy says, someday, which, again, a normal response. But then she goes, someday just means never. I want to go now. I don't think she's supposed to say that. Um, And Teddy, you could tell just by his face, the him as a host, he doesn't know how to respond. Um, because he, he, based on his programming, needs to stay in this loop. And Dolores is starting to get this urge to not be in her loop and just get out of here because she knows in, she knows deep down that something is wrong. Um, so I thought that was really interesting and it kind of led to this thing. And then also, another thing that they set up really well, she, um, Teddy is trying to teach her how to shoot a gun, right? 
and she can't do it. And I'm assuming, do you think that that was basically just because her programming wouldn't allow her to, correctly? Correct? Yeah. Okay. So that leads us to the end where she kind of, you're, you're right. She gets shot, but then she doesn't get shot. It's very strange. I think it was more, honestly, I think it was her remembering past things and using something that she shouldn't be able to do, using past experiences to advise current actions. That's something that only free thinking people can do. A host cannot do that. Um, that's something that artificial intelligence can do. These are not, this, this is not supposed to be artificial, artificial intelligence. They're supposed to mimic intelligence. Um, so she's using, so she, the guy pulls a gun on her, right? And he's going to shoot her and she thinks, oh no, I, sh- I should try to get out of this because I'm going to get shot. She remembers being shot. So she thinks, okay, how can I not get shot this time? And that's what I think that was that flash. I think it was her remembering. Um, I don't know. There was one area earlier in the episode where she pulled a gun out of her drawer and then was gone. That one I'm not so sure on, but I think her getting shot and then her not being shot was her thinking, I'm going to get shot. Um, and then also when she gets dragged into the barn to, we're led to assume, get raped by this other host, right? Mm-hmm. She um, grabs a gun from him and she can't, obviously at first she cannot pull the trigger, right? Because of her programming again. And then she can pull the trigger. And that was something, number one, they built that up perfectly earlier because she couldn't pull it, but she was able to overcome her programming and even break her loop by running away after. But then also, the only way she was able to pull the trigger was in the... We didn't get much of the man in black in this episode, but the man the man in black in this episode appears as she's thinking... I've got to shoot him, and she can't do it. She pictures the man in black as the guy who's about to rape her, as the host who's about to rape her. And she's able to shoot. Again, I think that's her calling upon past experiences, her remembering getting raped by the man in black and saying, I'm not going to let that happen this time, and shooting him. That's how she was able to overcome her programming. What do you think about my little theory here? Um, I completely agree with you there. Um, she is just really realizing that stuff is, is, is going wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very interesting to see that, um, come into fruition. I mean, I think it's, Doris is definitely the, the most developed character in the whole entire show. And I, I can't get enough of her because she is just fantastic. Um, Rachel Evanwood is just, just gives a fantastic performance as Dolores. Um, so I'm giving her props there. I'm interested to see where this goes, though. Um, yeah. Just to just to see where her character goes, and and to see how this season particularly ends mm-hmm. as a whole. I'm really confused about that ending scene with Teddy's story, though, because <laughs> excuse me, I'm just confused to see if if um if those are actual hosts yeah. or if they're guests that have been there for a long time that the park doesn't know about. Yeah. But then that's... again, like how. How would the park not know about this? You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. there's surveillance all over the park. Mm-hmm. And safety for the guests is like their number one priority. So it's just very confusing for me to understand like how yeah. um, them yeah. being there made any sense whatsoever. I mean, not them being there, but them not getting injured by any mm-hmm. of their gunshots. I think this 
this might just be a product of it. it it's confusing because Ford is creating his new big storyline while the park is still running. So he's changing people's backstories, changing their programming while the rest of the park is still operating. So that might be part of the issue, but I do agree. It was very confusing when he couldn't shoot them because um, they did not look like they were guests. So maybe it was just an unfinished part of his story. I, I don't know. It was really strange. But I, I agree, I am interested to see where that goes, and hopefully we get some answers there. Yeah, I mean, I was hoping that Teddy would um, sort of jump out and be one of those people who starts to remember. Mm-hmm. Just because he has a conversation with Ford, and Ford's just like, you know, you've died a thousand times, man. Like, is that all you want to do with your life? And I'm just like, okay, like, can we, like are we going to finally see Teddy sort of, like, change a little bit too? Mm-hmm. But it, we really didn't see that in this episode. Um but I'm, I'm, I I want to see a lot more for it, though. I want to get to know his backstory as well, uh, just to see what what his intentions are. Yeah. If he actually ever does care for these hosts, because he just sees them as things. Yeah. Um, but it's just weird because we care about these hosts. You know what I'm saying? Because they, they're yeah. people, but it's, they're not people. <laughs> so it's, just, it's weird. It's strange. It's yeah. It's definitely a strange place to be as a viewer. Um, let's talk about real quick the other storyline in this um, episode, which is that of Elise, or Elise, and I believe Stubbs is that his name? I don't, I don't know. But they're basically there's a runaway host, a host who's not following his programming, and he's just off in the wilderness, uh, just wandering around. And they're supposed to go track him down. Um, what did you think of that storyline? I thought that storyline was okay. Um wasn't horrible again but it's it's i was sort of confused that at uh why he ran away and i wish we do i hope that we get an answer to that um because he just he just smashed his head at the end of the yeah. freaking episode so i don't know what's going on with him i don't know if he's remembering stuff that's give that's mm-hmm. hurting him that's which is why he chose that in his life but i thought she was gonna die for two for for a few yeah. minutes because it was like oh my goodness like this might be the first person who dies uh-huh that, uh, from a host. That would be the ultimate, like, crap has gone wrong. The, they are breaking their programming because as soon as they're able to hurt um, a, a guest or somebody that they're not supposed to hurt, then we know crap is going down. Um, yeah. As for the storyline as a whole, this is what kind of leads me or what pushes me towards the there's something devious going on. Somebody is sabotaging what's going on. Because... I don't, has this character necessarily had any interact? I don't know if he's had any interaction with other characters who are gaining consciousness or whatever. Because this guy, he kind of just, he, he starts to run away because he's gaining consciousness and because he wants to see the stars is what Elise thinks. Um, and then he kills himself, right? And he kind of is going crazy and it was kind of the same type of crazy that um, Dolores' first dad um, went through. So, I I don't know. Like, again, I do think that this kind of is pointing towards somebody is messing around with their programming. But, again, I I don't know. So, I I think it has... That storyline wasn't as interesting to watch. It wasn't as necessarily... It didn't feel as pointless as Teddy's storyline. But I do think it had more meaning behind it than maybe we know yet. Um, and I think that we're going to have a lot of um, 
we, we might have a lot of fallout from that storyline in the next episode because Elise is not going to be happy. And I think she's going to be talking to Bernard very soon about what is going on because Bernard keeps kind of pushing her off saying, we fixed the problem, we're good. And Bernard is really the key to this. And he's actually my second favorite character because he knows that something is not right still. And he is fighting that off on two fronts because Elise is saying there's something not right. And then Ford, on the other hand, is saying, you better tell me if there's something else weird going on because we got to fix this. Um, because he does not want them to have, he de- definitely doesn't want to deal with any more Arnold issues. You can tell that there was a, some, it, that relationship ended poorly. And I think that's still affecting him as a character. So I, I'm really interested to see what the fallout from that is. Um, the way I kind yeah, because of, they're because they're both. I mean, yeah. there's one guy who who just wants to just fix it, and he just sees them as things. And then there's his girlfriend or his fling or whatever who just sees them as just as just you know money. business opportunities, yeah. money. So it, it's very hard on two fronts because I think he actually is starting to care yes. about them. Um, and Dolores is is definitely accomplishing that. So it's it's definitely interesting. I do think that he might be. The new Arnold. In that's sense, exactly what I was about to, to say. Care for them, it's going to be gr- it's going to be crazy. Um, and it, like this, he could be. You know, this is just a this is a theory here, but I mean, I think you know when the show's getting toward towards a close, I think there could be there could honestly be two sides. Um, it could be the the you know the panel the 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 panel that they have that the whole where it's just you know the, mm-hmm. the actual humans and I do think that they're they're gonna have the hosts are gonna have some humans that care for them that are gonna go face to face um with with uh with the um, with the people running it mm-hmm. and um I do think the 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 man in black is sort of a, a, is like that shows little finger. It's really weird. I don't know what he wants, but exactly. I know that he wants to eat. I know that he wants to get get like to an end game. Mm-hmm. And I do, do think that not only do the hosts need to watch out for this guy, but I do think that the guests also need to watch out for this guy because he does not care what he, I, he does not care who he hurts unless unless he gets what he wants. Um, he's been going there for the last thirty years. So like, I don't know if he was born there. I don't know. Like, no, I don't know. No. I don't know if he was born there or whatever, but he is just confused. He's, he looks like an older like, guy, yeah. So. To get out of there, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, but he just looks confused as like to how to get uh, out of there, and it's just. It's really I think crazy. he wants to be there, but I don't like. I don't know what he wants. I think. Uh, see, I want to say maybe he's behind it, but then no, it doesn't seem like that at all. It seems like maybe. I don't know. It's really strange. I. He's kind of the wild card in all this. I don't know what he wants. It's really he's an interesting character to watch on screen, though. I cannot mm-hmm. lie. His just seeing him on screen, I get scared. Yeah, I'm just like, oh crap. Yeah, <laughs> like run, get the hell out of there. Because mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I, like he's ba- he's bad news, guys. Like run. Yeah, but um, he is he's definitely a force to be reckoned with. I just wish I knew what he was after. Oh yeah. So definitely. I hope that they review. I hope that they reveal that sometime this season. Oh yeah. Alright, so that was our Westworld recap for this week. We That was episode 3, a recap for episode 3. So now we are going to move on to our recommendations, and then from there we will send it over to our Star Wars Rebels recap. Ozzy, what are you recommending today? Um, 
Crap, man. Totally forgot about this. <laughs> you want me to start? Go ahead. All right. Um, my recommendation is actually a movie that I actually just watched today, the day of our recording, um, well, earlier today before I, before we went over to record this. And it blew me away. Like, again, it's one of those movies that you always hear about and you're just kind of like, okay. Um, it seems like it's probably a cool movie, but man, this movie was good for a while. Um, I do have a little bit of issues, issues with the last act, but for a while I was thinking this might be the, one of the best movies I've ever seen. And that wasn't hyperbole. Um, it is really good. It is a fantastic movie. It's a masterpiece in my opinion. And it's one of the best horror movies I've ever seen. It is John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. Oh my gosh, this movie blew me away. <laughs> it was so good. The way they kind of basically, it's about the, these guys in Antarctica. They're basically stationed in Antarctica and they are isolated. There's no way for them to communicate with many people at all. And something starts, something basically arrives there and starts infecting people. And the entire th- thing with the movie is you don't know who to trust because you don't know who is infected and who is not. You don't know who you can trust. You don't know who, what characters you can be rooting for because you don't know if they're infected themselves. It's so good. And even the effects for 1982 were absolutely mind blowing. They were so good. The creature effects, the kind of practical effects that they used were not only they looked good, but they were scary. This movie is genuinely frightening. Number one, because it keeps you on edge and it creates great tension because you don't know who you can trust. But number two, it's got some freaking scary creatures. <laughs> it is great. Um, highly recommend this movie. If you like horror, if you just like movies, check out John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. Um, not the remake. I heard the remake was actually pretty good. Or it's actually, I guess, a prequel, quote-unquote. But it's called The Thing from 2011. Watch the 1982 one. It's really good. Haven't seen the new one, but I, the 82 one is so good. Watch it. All right. I mean, I'm not going to watch it, but sure. <laughs> you don't like I'm not horror. Into mo- I'm not into scary movies, man. Fair enough. Uh, um, I'm going to, I'm just going to go ahead and recommend the sitcom, the 70s show. I've been talking about it that I've been <laughs> watching it. Um, as not that I haven't seen it before. I just, I'm, I'm trying to watch it in chronological order mm-hmm. and I've been watching like friends and, and how I met your mother for a while. So I just, I, I gotta get, I gotta watch something. New, so I, I started watching seventy the seven that seventy show, and it is just hilarious. It's not my favorite sitcom, but it's definitely up there. It's, it's definitely my favorite. It's in like it's in like my top. It's, like, it's definitely in like in my top three. Mm-hmm. It's just the comedy is just so hilarious, and they have such great chemistry with one another. Mm-hmm. And it's just really you know just looking at it in today's perspective, it still relates today. That is something that was, I mean, just the times, if you're looking at this, the seventies and that still mm-hmm. correlates today, it's just, it's, it's just that pop, like that culture still is relevant today. It's just smoking weed, hiding it. And it's, it's funny seeing that happen. Um, it's such funny. And then it, it's such a great show. And then red, red makes it red is, uh, Eric Foreman's dad. I think yeah. he is just fantastic. He's always just like, how about a, how about I kick you in the ass? And it's just great. Um, dude, that is his phrase, man. That is his yeah. phrase, and it's just, it's great seeing him. Yeah, it's really and, creative and, with the two. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, and and definitely seeing, um, 
Eric's mom with her laugh. I mean, that, it's just it's too great. Um, yeah. So it, uh, Kitty is her name. Mm-hmm. Um, just seeing Kitty and 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 Red and Eric and all, all just the whole group is just it's great. And um, like I said, they all have great chemistry. All have great lines. I'm I'm there dying laughing sometimes, and this is fantastic. So I think you guys definitely give that a shot. Mm-hmm. A shot if you have not watched it. It is hilarious. Yeah. Carlos's um, favorite sitcom of all time. Oh, it's, it is. It's in my top three. You guys need to give it a shot. I, I give it a watch. Um, my number one is Friends, um, but that seventy show is, is it's either two or three for me. So definitely give it give, give it yeah, a watch. Yeah, my, my thing with that seventy show is that you can watch like the because all mm. these sitcoms they always play on um, these random channels, just random episodes all the time, and you'll just see it and you're like, okay, check it out, or I'll watch an episode in the background or whatever, and you're always kind of like, you have to like, all right, what's going on right now? And kind of, especially with friends and kind of things that have big overarching storylines, you kind of have to like, all right, what season are we in? Who's dating who? What's going on? And you kind of have to think about all that. And then you're like, all right, now I can follow because it's more of like the, it's story based, right? And then even with How I Met Your Mother or other things like that, you like, you can, you have to, it's almost for me. I need to watch *How I Met Your Mother* in sequence because you're following Ted's overall arc. But with that '70s show, not that there isn't an overall arc, because there is for all these characters, but it's just so consistently funny that you can watch any episode at any time and just be right there and be like, "This is amazing." It's just so consistent. You can watch it at any time, any season, in my opinion. Um, other than some of the later seasons, some of the later seasons when they kind of shuffled the ch- cast around, it wasn't as good. But the first couple seasons, at least the first four, at least are fantastic. So I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, they, I'm in, I'm in season two right now, and it's just it, it's cracking me up. Definitely, I, I think, I think when they took out um, Eric's character, I think the show sort of went downhill. Yeah. Um, it's just because it, just those those characters is. They're just hilarious, just all together. So mm-hmm. I think just putting them, I, did, I think just sort of taking, if you take one out of the puzzle, it's just not going to be great anymore. I mean, I think Ashton Kutcher and and all those guys did a great job in the show back in the day. Um, the chemistry is is there. I mean, you you definitely. Yeah. I mean, me me Kunis and and him got married. Um, for crying out loud, it's just the chemistry is there, you know what yeah. I mean? And I think they're all still pretty close too, which I think is awesome. Oh, and Fez, so you can't forget about Fez. He's one of the best characters, but Fez is so yeah. hilarious. So hilarious. <laughs> um, he's one of the, he's one of the best comedy guys there. Uh, one of the best comedic reliefs there. He is so funny. Um, God, I, I have a friend just like Pez who like we're like where we're just like all just like he's so weird but you love him anyways because yeah. he's weird. He's that lovable weird friend that you have. Um I have one of those friends too. Uh, it's just funny. Everything that yeah. everything that comes out of that guy's mouth is hilarious and it's it's great. So definitely. definitely. Alright, so now you're going to send it over to our Star Wars Rebels recap with Jesse and we will sign out from there. So stay tuned and See you later. All 
right, and now we are here for another recap of Star Wars Rebels. We are what three episodes in now, so we're getting it. We're four. getting in, four episodes in. Wow, four episodes. Okay, in. I'm insane. So we're getting into the season, and it's a long season, which that's a whole another discussion that we could have. But I think it's going pretty good so far. So you ready to talk about this episode, Jesse? Yeah, let's do it. Um, Right when you get into the episode, it immediately cuts to Cham Syndulla, who we've seen before in the Clone Wars and in the uh, Lords of the Sith book. And uh, I think he's one of the most seen characters in media that's not like a main Star Wars that's character. True. Like he's everywhere, always fighting the Empire. He's been in books. He's been in both shows. So uh-huh. I think I mean, a few comics. Yeah, probably. I wouldn't be surprised. So. But, uh, yeah, we cut into him still fighting the Empire, and uh, the crew comes down and helps him out. And uh, then Hera finds out that their capital city has been taken, and her home has been taken over as a headquarters, which I think is a little convenient, but I guess... (laughs) Cham was a general, so it makes sense he would have headquartery stuff in his home anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think the it's Ryloth is the planet, right? Ryloth, yeah. That that planet and its <clears throat> struggle with the Empire is one of the more tragic in all of canon, really. It's just so, yeah. like, they're so oppressed and they're Even spirit to fight back. And, yeah. So I, I was happy to visit that planet because i think it's one that's worth visiting yeah there's always something going on with ryloth whether they're being oppressed by the separatists or the republic or even like just slavers before that yeah twi'leks are always in trouble but um hera finds out that their family home has been taken over and uh she wants to go back and get the calicori this family heirloom that's passed down from mother to daughter that she wants so she goes and that her and uh, Ezra, mm-hmm. geez, well, how can I forget his name? <laughs> um, they disguise themselves and sneak into her home and uh, try to get that back. Yeah. Um, what did you think about her kind of going back just for this family heirloom? I think it's kind of interesting. Like, it's a little yeah. cheesy, but I mean, she obviously cares so much about her mom. And mm-hmm. that's the, her mom is the reason her and her dad don't have a good relationship. Yeah. So um, it was also really cool to see a little bit more of, like, even Chopper's emotion because yeah. Chopper went in with them, and you see the wire wing that apparently he was part of, that he was uh, helping to man mm-hmm. during the Clone Wars that crashed, and he just kind of stops and is staring at that for a while. So he's yeah. not just, like, a little, oh, quirky little droid anymore. He's mm-hmm. got a little bit of character. I don't know. I thought there was a little bit too much to that. Like, it, they paused on that for a little bit too long for some... I don't know. It's, it's something about it just didn't sit right. Maybe it's just because he's a droid, and I'm like, yeah, they've shown personality, but to have emotion like that... I don't know. It kind of bothered me a little bit, but I'm I'm with you. I didn't mind her kind of staying f- or going back for just this family heirloom or, to, or whatever. Um, the Calicori, is that what it was called? Yeah. Um, I thought those worked out very well, especially when you consider who the main villain of the season is and his inclusion in this episode. Yes. Uh, so, of course, everything goes wrong, and they get caught by Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, he recognizes who Hera is, I think, instantly. I think so, too. And then, But he doesn't wait to reveal it until he is absolutely sure. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, he even recognized that Ezra was dressed in scout trooper armor. Like, he just turned and immediately shot him with yeah. a stun bolt, too. It was really good. Yeah, I, I love that moment when Ezra, like, is slowly, like, deciding what to do. And he finally does, and Thrawn already has, is prepared and stops him. It's That was great. <laughs> it was a great way to kind of quickly establish um, that character. Because we didn't get too much about him like we understand him if you know canon and stuff like that but we didn't get too much about him in previous episodes so i think this was a good reintroduction to him and emphasis yeah and i mean this whole episode was kind of centering on establishing throng yeah like showing who he is as a person Mm -hmm. Uh, but also showing that it's possible to defeat him maybe not outwit him yeah but to defeat him when he leaves something in the hands of others. Yeah. Because I think the turning point in this episode is he goes off to observe something mm-hmm. and leaves the situation in the hand of this commander. Yeah. But I think he was, even then, he kind of, he's okay with losing. And that's why I think he's such an intimidating villain. It's because he's okay to take take an L, as some would say, just to um, learn something. And he always takes something out of his losses. And it makes him even smarter. And I think that is just... That's what makes him intimidating to me, at least. Exactly. He was... At the end, They the Rebels win this round, and they go flying off right past Thrawn's ship. Mm-hmm. And his crew turns to him and like, do you not want us to fire? And he said, no, they've, won- they've earned this victory. Yeah. Besides, uh, uh, I found this very edifying, or mm-hmm. something like that. He was... He had learned a lot about the crew. He knew their background a little bit, but now he knows them personally, can mm-hmm. pinpoint things. And especially, do you think it's going to become more of a battle between, like a mental battle between him and Hera? Because um, he seemed very impressed with her and how she kind of, in a way, I mean, kind of outwitted him in the short run. Obviously, in the long run, it's a completely different story. But in the moment, she was able to kind of outsmart him. Yeah, I mean, he refers to Cham, her, mm-hmm. her dad, as his nemesis, which yeah. I think that's a little strong language. Mm-hmm. But still, Cham is a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think that there's going to be a lot of back and forth between him and Hera throughout the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. One thing that I really loved in this episode is this commander that Thrawn is working with. He is questioning Thrawn on, like, what do you care about this little piece of art? Why do you want to yeah. keep this and study it? And Thrawn gets violent. He grabs him by the yeah. collar and uh, just starts shaking him and about to hit him, you can tell, uh, before he like calms himself and kind of explains himself, but ultimately just says, I'm in charge, do what I say. Yeah, that was a really interesting moment because for a second he lost control and then he kind of restrained himself. So I don't know necessarily what I took out of that, but I definitely thought it said something about his character. That for a quick second, he just lost control, but then he was able to refocus himself. So I, I don't know. I did find that really interesting. Yeah, that moment, I think I told you right as, as yeah. the episode ended, but that moment really reminded me of a moment in Legends material back mm-hmm. in the original Throne trilogy where um, there's this... Uh, like ensign manning a tractor beam thing mm-hmm. and uh he fails like this one rebel ship just evades does some maneuver and gets out of the tractor beam mm-hmm. to escape and he asks well 
throwing goes and asks, like, how, why did this happen? The ensign says, well, I wasn't trained to deal with this p- specific situation. Yeah. And so Thrawn calls the guy that trained him over there and says, what's the point of having you around if you can't train our men to work properly? Mm-hmm. And just kills him on the spot. But not in the way that Vader would kill someone on the spot for failing. Because yeah. Thrawn always wanted to inspire loyalty and respect, not just fear. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to see more of that as we go through as well. Yeah. Do you have any quick predictions for the next few episodes coming up? Um, I didn't see the episode preview for what's coming, but um, I definitely think next episode will probably involve Cham again, uh, maybe be back on Ryloth. I doubt Thrawn will be back in it. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're going to have him go away at least for another episode or two and then come back strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really sure. Yeah. Do, do you think we're getting any more Vader anytime soon? I'm not sure. Maybe towards the end of the episode, but I feel like with Rogue One coming... That yeah. they might hold off on Vader for a little bit. I'm, I'm really interested to see because one thing that they've always said is that they are very aware that Rebels and Rogue One are in the same vicinity when it comes to time. So I'm interested to see how they tie in, if they tie in, what kind of things are going to happen there. So I, I think that's something to look forward to as we move forward. Yeah, and they may even wait to do those kind of tie-in things till True. after... True. The movie comes out, and we have a better understanding. Yeah, and we kind of get to meet some of the characters that we see in Rogue One earlier. I think that'll be interesting. So Yeah, because that's been a big thing with yeah. all of these series. Is you see someone in the movies, and then we they, get backstory. you go back and yeah. have meet them originally yeah. later. All right, well, that was our Rebels recap. Thank you for joining us for that, and thank you for joining us for this entire episode of the Screenfellows podcast. If you are just watching this review on YouTube, make sure you check out the podcast with the full um, the full shebang. We're going to have a Westworld recap. I believe we might be reviewing the Kevin Hart thing. Um, so that, that'll be a fun episode. So make sure you check that out. Make sure you subscribe to get all of the podcasts and subscribe to this YouTube channel. Give us a thumbs up. Um, yeah. And as for the entire podcast, we are going to sign out from here. So thank you for joining us for the podcast. Um, Jesse, where can people find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Colonel Swink. And if you have any Star Wars questions or ideas for topics you want us to discuss or debate, then email me at jesse.swink at screenfellows.com. Sweet. All right, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at cheery456. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at screenfellows. Again, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, rate and review the podcast on iTunes. That would help us out a lot. And you can also find Ozzy on Twitter at Castro Ozzy. So make sure you follow him there as well. So for Jesse, Ozzy, and I, this is Screenfellas. Help me.